keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing for bun in country Coming up today, great show to kick off the week. We hear from the champions of the Gary Newell Memorial Fishing Tournament, sponsored by the Bemidji Eagles from last Saturday. We check in with Aaron Pappenfuss, find out where the hot bite is. And we've got another tough question for the aquatic biologist. It's all coming up. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Big show today. We've got Will Pappenfuss in next segment to talk about the fishing scene in the Bemidji area and his first AIM tournament of the year. Later on in the show, we're going to ask the aquatic biologist about the necessity of light in an ecosystem. But right now, we're recapping the Gary Newell Memorial Walleye Tournament held by the Bemidji Eagles Club last Saturday. I had a chance to talk to the champions, Mike Amble and Paul Schumer. They brought in 25.59 pounds of fish. Their biggest fish was 5.76 pounds. They won by more than two pounds over Team Jig and Rig, Donnie Wilcox and Nick Von Holt. So they took home the $5,000 first prize. Donnie and Nick had the biggest fish of the tournament at 6.97 pounds. They weighed in 23.37 pounds total. So they got the runner-up money and the $1,000 big fish prize. The Easy E's were Andy and Larry Eichstead. They took third. They got the bronze. 5.57 was their biggest fish. 21.63 their total bag. Moist Lund, Dan Fuller and Abe Wolf. 6.55 their big fish. 20.65 their total weight. And rounding out the top five, Team Marbleize, Dan Rude and Craig Peterson. Their biggest fish was 4.22 pounds. They had a total weight of 20.28 pounds. I had a chance to talk to Mike and Paul after they claimed the title. Well, the Gary Newell Memorial Fishing Tournament is over at the Eagles Club, and the winners are Paul Schuber and Mike Amble for, uh, he just told me, two out of the last three years. Uh, is that right, Mike? That's correct. They didn't have it last year, but two of the last three times they've held it. That's correct. So where were you guys fishing today? Uh, we fished the west side early, uh, up north, and it was phenomenal. We, uh, we had a good time, and we hit a spot that Mike had caught a fish on earlier uh, Friday pre-fishing and we thought well why run all the way up to other spots that we wanted to go to this was close and all the big boats were way ahead of us so we thought we'd dive in there and grab one you know and we got lucky well I gotta tell you um, I, I've heard from most of the anglers today the fishing was really good a lot of action uh, so it was a matter of finding the big one sounds like you guys did yeah it's just a matter of getting the red right bites and we got into the cabbage and used some big minnows and came through there. And it was, a, it was just a fun day on the lake. When you're fishing with your buddy and you can win a tournament and beautiful weather. And it's a great tournament run by the Eagles. And, yeah, it was just a lot of fun out there today. You know, the big fish, uh, the, the one, the big fish prize was 6.97 pounds. You guys didn't get that. So that must mean your average fish was pretty darn good. Our average size was it came out to like five pounds. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty phenomenal. And we had to kick out a fish. We had to kick out a 24 and a quarter fish yeah. because we we were pretty excited at one moment in the in the boat. Uh, we had one lane in the boat and and Scramby had one on and and we were trying to get that in. Probably the biggest fish I've ever seen uh, on a hook and uh, on Lake Bemidji. Uh, it was uh, I know for a fact I've seen a lot of big fish and it, it was probably 30 inches. 
That is the m- most amazing walleye I've ever seen. <laughs> and we didn't get it in the boat. <laughs> so, it, you know, it doesn't count, but it was yeah. it was really really fun. Yeah, I mean, fishing with fishing with buddies means more than anything in the world, you know. That's what it's about, it really is. You get a little cash, that's a nice thing to go along with it. So what do you guys think? I mean, it, it, this is different now because we use the app. You could just catch the, f- the five, six biggest fish as opposed to having to do that slot thing. What do you think of that? I actually like the app. I mean, it's, it's a live weigh ins fun. Everybody loves a live weigh-in. You're there. And there. But times are, times are changing, and, you know, you, when you do an app, you, you do reward your biggest fish because then you can have more than two over 20. And to be honest, if we couldn't have used the app today, we probably went to one because we had five over 20 today, and we had had to kick out three of those. So it's give or take, but it's a lot of fun. You get to watch the leaderboard while you're out on the lake. You can look at your phone and you reload, and it's just, it's a different animal, but I enjoy it. So you guys teamed up for the next big event in Bemidji? Uh, it's be our tournament, uh, the Backwoods Backwoods Bar and Grill one. So okay. that, that's that's our tournament we run, and okay. we're gonna run it. The old-fashioned way, yep. and and a lot of the fishermen like it, yep. and it's 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 a, just a lot of fun, and it's on Plantagenet, and we run it out of there, and everybody has a great time. Yep, and so. we'll be and we'll be partners in the Knights of Columbus. Yeah. We have been in it every year. We, had, we, we fished two, it for yeah. we fished for the last ten years the Knights, and that's a great tournament too. It's great for the community, and it's just a lot of fun. So glad to see it's back this year. Absolutely, and if you guys win that one this year, that's a big prize. Well, you can't win, you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you know it's so great to have tournaments back. It's so great to have them back in person. Obviously, everything's kind of slowly getting back to normal. Um, but I tell you, there is that camaraderie of a fishing tournament. It's really unique, isn't it? Tell you what, I fish with one of my best friends in the world, and my next tournament, I fish with one of my, my other best friend in the world, and it's it's just so awesome to be set out and out there on a boat and. Just, whatever happens during the day it's no matter what it's fun sitting on the lake catching fish and even if you don't catch fish it's still fun <laughs> it's funner than the alternative That's yeah. a fact. so uh was it were they where you thought they were going to be they actually were i mean for we didn't we didn't have the greatest pre-fishing we caught got a big one yesterday it was a spot where we got our today but we didn't catch some big numbers and we just dove in there early and got lucky and we had a little hour and a half span or it just it was just crazy fishing and we had our second spot logged in, and we went to there, and we did good there too. So there's only two spots that we had that we had uh, in mind, and just got lucky today. All right, well, congratulations, guys. Mike Amble, Paul Schumer, the winners of the Gary New Memorial Fishing Tournament, sponsored by the Bemidji Eagles and Northwoods Bait and Tackle. Congratulations, guys. Thanks, you bet. Man. Thank you, Kev, for everything you do for fishing around yeah. here. It's a great show, and yeah, you I do really an awesome. Help, job. So thank you very much. Listen to it every day. I like to hear that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I definitely have to save this interview for posterity. Hey, thanks to Nick Von Holt of Tournament Angler. It was their software that ran the tournament, and he sent me some stats to pass on here. Total fish scored, 205, and to score, they had to be 14 inches or bigger. There were some that were below that, but those that were scored were 205. The average weight, 2.71 pounds. Not a bad average weight. Average fish count per team, 4.18 fish per team. And the average total weight per team was 11.35 pounds. Hey, we're going to talk to Nick and his partner down the road and get the details of Tournament Angler, which is a Bemidji-based app for scoring fish tournaments. But up next, we check in with Will Pappenfuss. He's going to get us caught up with the fishing scene and tell us how he did in the first AIM tournament of the year yesterday. 
and the AIM circuit, of course, was one of the original catch, photo, and release tournament circuits. That's next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Checking in with Will Paffenfuss, who is an outstanding angler and guide in uh, Paul Bunyan Country. Also spent some time up there at Northwoods Bait and Tackle and gets us some good bait and caught up on what's going on in fishing. Well, Will, as always, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, always a great time. So you guys were busy uh, yesterday. You had an AIM tournament. Uh, the uh, angling in what does AIM stand for again? I always forget. Anglers Insight Marketing. Right, and that is uh, one of the first um, catch, photo, and release tournaments. That's now pretty much the standard, but uh, you guys were one of the early ones to get going with that, right? Yeah, they're uh, one of the first trails that really adopted the whole thing, and it's really been taken off. So uh, you uh, were out there fishing, looking for some uh, success and some money. Did it happen for you? Uh, complete opposite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we... Uh, it was the first time for Steve and I fishing Big Stone, and, you know, it's it's a tough lake to crack, and, you know, the deepest it gets up there is about 15 feet, and the weeds are just about two to three feet below the surface, so it's just kind of a different different element, and we had a little something going the day before, but they just uh, pulled the old 180 on us and disappeared, so it uh, left us out to dry, but that's the way she goes. So where is Big Stone? Right in Ortonville. And it's right half lakes in South Dakota and half lakes in Minnesota. Okay, I, I think I was thinking that was the one, but um, interesting. Uh, as you say, it was different than what we have. What primarily made it uh, challenging? You mentioned it a little bit, but give us a little more details. Uh, the June bloom really took off, and there's a lot of pond weed and stuff out there, and it's the weeds are mostly almost just touching the surface. So you kind of got to find spots where you know you got two to four feet just above the weeds that you can pull spinners across or you can pitch classics or cranks across it and the water's super clear. So you almost have to have a really, you know, cloudy day for it to be really good. Otherwise, the fish are just going to dive straight to the bottom of the weeds and you're not going to be able to catch them. Okay. Well, um, when you were having a little success prior to that, what was working for you? Uh, so the south end of Lake Weird, there's a there's an outlet right there and there's actually quite a few shiners pushed up right against there the day before, and we pulled them there and caught a 21-incher right away and marked a whole bunch of other ones. And we're like, okay, so this is a little something different that, you know, we're used to, you know, pitching jigs, not pulling planer boards with spinners like we have been doing. You know, we caught, a, we caught one 24-incher pulling boards right before that, but then we went in there and thought, well, you know, if this goes, we got a pretty good chance. But uh, the next day the wind was blowing in there perfect, but the uh, fish disappeared and they turned out to all be white bass and carp in there instead so i don't know where the walleyes went because you know anywhere around here you get a wind driven you know point or anything blowing right in there it's going to be good but down there it uh, definitely wasn't how big is that lake i want to say it's like 22 miles long oh wow something like that it's a it's a run to the north end i know that well i you know who am I? I've never won a fishing tournament, but it seems to me you got to work on your timing because if I recall in April, you were catching like six 30-plus-inch walleyes in one day. See, that's what you should have been doing Saturday or yesterday. <laughs> well, they always seem to show up when you don't really need them. But <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the deal is, but they, they tend to do that. Okay. Well, in general, since opening day, what have you been seeing out there in, in uh, Paul Bunyan country waters? Uh, how's the fishing been? Uh, it's been phenomenal. I know... Uh, I talked to quite a few guys this weekend while we were on 
fixed so and grinding our heads against all that everybody was catching fish up here i know the the eagles tournament like bemidji had a good turnout there was a lot of good weights there a lot of 23 to 25 inch fish got caught um but uh, other guys down leech were doing really good they're starting to look like it's starting to swing to more of a leech and crawler bite guys are still getting them on china's pretty good if the wind's blowing but if it's kind of calm around i'd definitely be pulling you know spinners around or dragging a leech or even throwing a big minnow down if you can find them well, we're only a couple weeks into the season, but it was a very late opener, as late as it possibly can be. You, you couple that up with the fact that it got really, really warm right before and has stayed, by and large, pretty warm. Um, things are going to move a little quicker than, we are, than we're used to. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy how it, I was actually out messing around the week before opener, and then it was 46 degrees on Lake Bemidji, and then I went out there exactly a week later, and it was 67 degrees, and I was just like, what? And the absolute heck just happened. <laughs> and I think the fish had the same idea, too, because half of them were out deep, half of them were shallow, and they really didn't know what to do. And then it finally kind of dialed back into the mid-50s, and now it's sitting back up into the high 60s again. And I think, you know, we're going to see a more consistent bite here moving forward. What would you say is uh, seems to be the hottest lake going right now? I would say, I would say leech, because leech always seems to be cranking up once it gets to the upper 50s, the lower 60s. That's really when you get that shallow jig bite going, and you can even catch them on spinners. You can throw bobbers, leeches. You can do just about anything, and you're going to crack them. The, uh, and, of course, leech has so many different types of fishing that if one's not working and you think, well, maybe they're deeper, well, then you, you, there's, another, there's another bay or another spot of the lake that's maybe more, more tuned into that. So there's a lot of options when you get on leech. Yeah, exactly. You could be on the main lake pitching, you know, a foot of water to – you know, 15 feet, and you can be in Walker Bay or Cabacona Bay or something like that and fishing, you know, 20 to 30 feet. So it's, it's very versatile, and you can pick with whatever your strength is and go out and do it and be successful at it. You know, I was just talking as uh, as I was over at the uh, the weigh-in for the, well, it wasn't really a weigh-in, but for the award ceremony for the Eagles tournament and uh, talking to the guys there. Just uh, people continue to be amazed at, at just how consistent and how good and how full of walleyes Lake Bemidji continues to be. And, you know, from a DNR standpoint, by and large, they, they're able to keep their hands off it and just let it do what it does. Uh, boy, that's a gem and still still by, bypassed by a lot of people. Yeah, and, I mean, there's still quite a bit of pressure that Lake gets, and it just continues to pump out. I know a lot of guys out there this winter, they were, you know, we caught 30, 40 walleyes today. You know, the biggest might have been only 15 inches, but it's, good to see you know that there's a good year class coming up you know and there's still some decent fish out there that hopefully will get bigger and you know want to eat and not just sit down there and you know pretend not to be there but they're there <laughs> so you've got to get them to go but uh, yeah it should be a good lake for years to come for sure so in a few more weeks we'll have another big tournament there the knights of columbus uh, walleye classic uh, are you going to be involved in that one i will not i will be down on the lax that week for the aim quest for the best and then uh the day after the nights is uh, the regular qualifier in my life. So I'll be down there for five days fishing that. Okay, well, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting, obviously. You're going to have uh, 20 more teams than we've typically had because of the uh, delayed 20th anniversary. We're going to have a, a lot of really good anglers on there, It's and it's always interesting to see how it plays out. But I I would expect we're going to see some pretty good fish coming out of that uh, coming out of the water that weekend. Oh, absolutely! The water temps will be right where they need to be, and 
you know, fish should be chewing. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch for sure. Have you heard much from uh, Cass Lake or Red Lake this year? I have uh, Cass Lake. It's, it sounds like it's been pretty good. Um, it just depends, you know. If, if you have a little wind, it's going to be good. If you don't have wind, it's going to be a little tougher, you know, just because the water's so clear, and you know you got to be so far away to get them. And but the thing is, if it is calm, you know, just got to look deeper. Don't be afraid to look twenty plus feet, you know, out there this time of year. Well, Cass, yeah, I mean. There, that was always a clear lake, and now, of course, it's clearer than ever. Um, it really has changed the way you have to fish that lake. Hasn't really changed how many walleyes are out there, but you, it's more on the angler to figure out where they're going to be because it's a little bit different now. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of lot of fish out there, and you know, from a variety from you know just ten inch fish up to you know thirty inch fish. So it's definitely a world class fishery for sure. You just got to put a little extra time in to find them, and once you get them dialed in you can have a lot of fun out there and have you heard anything from red yeah it's uh it was a little tougher just because most of the shanners had already started pushing off because the water warmed up so fast so just kind of spread out to that 10 to 12 foot and guys you know were fishing four to six and you know they were kind of like well what's going on here well you just got to move out a little bit deeper and put a little extra work in because they're a little bit more spread out so i think guys that are going to be pulling spinners or going around marking pods of fish and throwing bobbers at them should be doing pretty good otherwise throw some crankbaits out there, throw a couple boards, bring a couple extra buddies so you can throw more lines out and cover some water. We uh, we have talked in the past uh, with you and with many guys, uh, the increasing popularity of bass fishing in the area, and now with the catch and release uh, bass season, we had guys out there first weekend, which was typically 100% walleye in the past, uh, th- you know, throwing some stuff at bass as well. Uh, what are you hearing for the bass spot? I've heard it's been pretty good. Yeah, um, you know, they're starting to push up for spawn and starting to make their beds. And, you know, guys have been getting some pretty pretty hungry, mean, largemouth for sure. I know a few lakes around here are starting to get a few smallies in them too, so they're starting to make their beds as well. And you know, It sounds like the bite's just been on fire. What's interesting about uh, the, the bass bite is even lakes that don't have bass actually do have bass. It's just, uh, you know, people hadn't fished them for years. I know, you know, I know Bemidji. You can find bass in that lake. Typically, people don't, but you can do it. Exactly, and if you do find one, it's usually going to be a good one. So, well, um, if if you were going out fishing just for fun and could fish for whatever you wanted this upcoming weekend, what would you be doing? Uh, if I was going to go out for fun, I'd definitely be either going out to leech, or I'd be kind of. I know black ducks had a decent bite. There's been quite a few people out there. But uh, I'd definitely be going out to leech. I'd have spot tails with me. I'd have leeches. I'd have crawlers. I'd have just about everything with me just to see what they're really going on because I know on different sides of the lake they're going to be eating something different. So you just got to make sure you're prepared for everything. But you can definitely go out there and, you know, have a great time and lay on a few fish with friends or family and just have an awesome time. So, Will, I know that you've you've got a new significant other in your life, and uh, I always find it interesting when people who live, eat, and breathe fishing uh, bring a new person into their lives. Uh, does that person like fishing too? Yeah, she absolutely does. She was. We went up to the Rainy River actually when uh, the forks broke a little bit, and we did a little sturgeon fishing for a couple hours. And she was taking suckers off the line. She was catching fish, bait, and hooks, and I was pretty impressed. So I, I think this one might stick around a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> is that a requirement in your book well it's 
I'd hope so. I mean, otherwise she's going to be, at, or they're not going to have a great time because that's about all I do is either fish, work, or fish. So. <laughs> well, it's all yeah. That I think that's obviously important. <laughs> Everybody, that you have stuff yeah. that you can do together, right? Yeah. Exactly, and I think she's hungry for breakfast now. She's giving me the stairs. So. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go then. I, but I was just gonna quickly ask you. I mean, obviously, I know you grew up in a in a fishing home, but was it uh, mom and dad, or was it just dad and grandpa? How how did that play out in your family dynamics? Yeah, my grandpa for sure, and then uh, my dad as well. He uh, he liked to fish all the time and got me into it. And whenever I when I turned sixteen, if he didn't want to go, I just went by myself. So <laughs> nice. Well, listen, Will, I know you do a little bit of guiding. Uh, if people are interested in uh, hitting the water with you, how do they go about getting something set up? Uh, they can look up by Crazy Guys Harris on Facebook. Otherwise, give me a call at 320-360-5333, and uh, I can get you set up from there. All right, Will Pappenfuss, who's got to go eat breakfast. I'll let him go. Will, thanks for your time today. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, and Dr. Andrew Hapes, the aquatic biologist, is up next. It is time to ask the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes from Bemidji State University. Andy, one of your uh, students asked this question, uh, what would most likely happen to a freshwater ecosystem if it no longer receives sunlight? And in our case here, where we're most likely to see that is in a winter kill situation. So explain what tends to happen that causes a winter kill. The, the plants and the things that grow in the water are the base of the food chain, right? That's the base of the ecosystem, and they depend on light uh, to grow. And so if you take away uh, the light, you've eliminated the entire base of that ecosystem. And so in the this is an interesting question, like what would happen if we had a, a light go away for a long time? That would be very, very bad for lots of situations, <laughs> terrestrial and aquatic environments, yes. right? It, it's they work in a similar manner to terrestrial ecosystems in that sense where they need light and you need that primary production to plant growth uh, to sustain higher levels and ultimately the walleye and things that we're interested in. During the winter, that's the closest we come to actually having this happen, right? Especially in years where there's really, really deep snow. And that deep snow is present for a long amount of time. In a shallow system, a couple of different things are going on. Shallow lakes have more plants, right? just because the sun during the summer can reach the bottom in more of the lake. So those are really productive ecosystems with lots of plants. And then when that light is turned off, those plants are dying. And that decomposition uses up oxygen. So in a shallow lake with deep snowfall for a long amount of time, the O2 goes away in over the course of that winter through decomposition respiration. And that kills... Uh, any uh, organism in there that needs O2. And so oftentimes we can make pretty good predictions on some of these shallow lakes. If there's, if we know there's tons of snow and it didn't get cleared off, you know that there's a pretty good chance there's going to be a lot of fish floating when the, when the lake finally melts. Yeah, I mean, assuming there was fish in there. Because right, these types right. of systems are often, and that type of event is probably regular enough here in Bemidji, uh, for those of you that like winter, that's fortunate. And for those of you that don't, that's unfortunate, right? But uh, And the biologists around here really know that. They're, they can say that's a winter kill lake just from the depth probably, and um, they actually take advantage of it. And because there's no fish in there, they can stock fish at certain times, and walleye in particular, and 
I know they use some of the winter kill lakes uh, around here as rearing ponds because those fish won't have anything to compete, you know, mm -hmm. and then uh, they'll grow really fast during that summer. So, yeah, it's very predictable. Yeah, and uh, and that they, they'll tell us that, too. I, you know, when I go to set up lakes of the week, I'll say, hey, I want to do this lake. And they say, yeah, um, there was a winter kill here uh, last year, so we're not, we're not much to talk about right now. But like you said, they they, they recover quickly because... There's not a lot of predators to cause any problems. Yeah. And, you know, I've even heard of some situations where some of these systems turn into really, really good fisheries. If they go on like a three or four year winter, winter kill cycle where there's like a, there's a winter kill that resets it and then they'll stock some fish back in and they grow like crazy. And there's a great fishery there because the fish are growing like crazy until they, uh, the next winter kill event happens. <laughs> next time we get five feet of snow. Yeah, that's right. All right. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, that's really the main thing here. Are there any other areas that have other w re types of conditions that cause a lack of light? Uh, I think the only other things we could think of would be like really dense vegetation. I, I mentioned or I thought of lily pads. I can remember reading a, a book a while back and somebody in that book was snorkeling and they went underneath the lily pads and there was nothing growing there and right so some things are really good at competing for light and then shading out everything else so that's the one other situation i can kind of think of is just really dense surface vegetation and you know that's really cool to think about and how they yeah. they evolved to outcompete everything else and I want to do that someday soon. Snorkel <laughs> on, uh, in a lily pad bed again. So, oh, yeah. that would be interesting. So, I mean, we we hear a lot about brackish water and dark water. Um, that's not impactful enough to to cause an issue more off most of the time. Well, I mean, I wouldn't define issue. I guess. Well, I <laughs> guess you know, like uh, we know there's stained water on a number of lakes, but there's plenty of fish and everything's going fine there. So they're not the water isn't stained enough to impact it as far as the light that gets through to the fish well yeah i mean the color of the water and that stain that does influence how far the water can pen or how far the light can penetrate so it does influence that aquatic ecosystem okay right? and plants won't be able to grow as deep as they would in another system that isn't uh, completely dark and stained like that okay. so it does influence uh, the color of the water and how much particulate matter and things like that the, that does influence how much light can penetrate into okay. that system. Well, if there's plants growing in fewer spots, then it's probably easier to figure out where the fish are. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's one way to look <laughs> at it, right? <laughs> People who aren't good at fishing like me need to, any advantage we can have to, to get those fish. Yeah, you know, when I moved up here, that was the fishing is vastly different than where I'm from in you know central Wisconsin. I would always go near the shore and look for weed beds. That's the first thing I would do. And when you come up here, those weed beds that are you know, off the shore, the, the pondweed beds where the walleye and the perch are, it took me a while to figure that out. And <laughs> Yeah. So. All right. Anything else on this topic that we haven't covered yet? No, I think that's a really interesting question. It's just uh, hope that the light is present for years to come. Right? No. For all of us, yes, yes, that would be good. All right. Andy Haves is an aquatic biologist at Bemidji State University. Andy, thanks for the time today. Thank you. Hey, before we wrap it up today, I want to remind you, you got some great stuff coming out later this week. We're going to hear from Keith Tuma on bass fishing. The Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic is coming up. We'll get the update on that. We're going to talk about the Minnesota Fishing Challenge, a very, very popular tournament on Gull Lake in the Brainerd Lakes area. We've got our Lake of the Week, of course, and we'll get you ready for a Memorial Weekend of Fishing.
Also, I had the honor and privilege of having the commissioner of the DNR, Sarah Stroman, set aside an hour for me to grill her about everything going on in natural resources. We've been so packed with fishing talk, we haven't been able to get to it, but we are going to do that next week. And there's a lot of topics covered. It was a great conversation. I hope you'll find some time to check in next week and listen to that conversation with the commissioner of the DNR. In the meantime, of course, you can always check us out on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to the podcast where you often get extra coverage and you have the option to listen whenever it's convenient for you. You can do that at Podcast One or on the Pod MN app, which also gets you access to hundreds of other Minnesota-based podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for being here. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring. After two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division-favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.